case. Hope Not Hates are basically controlling Britain. Hope Not Hate, an alluring name for those more concerned about social justice than truth. These backwards, these backward thinking, virtue, sick, virtue signaling, fake news crate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm just going to get right into it. Um, okay, great. I've, I've, I've read a lot about the book and about you, but just for the <laughs> sake of the interview, how would you describe <laughs> yourself in a few sentences? Um, so um, I'm Mariam Khan. I'm the editor of um, a collection of essays by Muslim women called It's Not About the Burqa. Um, and it's Muslim women speaking frankly on um, faith, feminism, sexuality and race um, about um, uh, the threat of a disapproving community and a racist country. And it's basically a platform that um, I wanted to create where different Muslim women could come together and even the same just to show the depth and diversity of the Muslim female identity. Um, I tried to be an activist for women in all spaces mm -hmm. that I occupy um, and um, yeah that, that's me in a nutshell. Okay that's actually the book in a nutshell. How would you describe yourself? Um, me as a person. Um, yes. I am I'm 20, 20, I was going to say 25, I'm not 25, I'm 26. Um, I'm 26, um, I live in Birmingham. Um, I am, uh, I don't know, how would I describe myself? I am opinionated and I am uh, an intersectional feminist and I am on the day-to-day, -day, my day-to-day -day job, because everyone has a day-to-day -day job, um, and the book is very much a side for me. Um, I work at a university in the professional side, so not teaching Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know, I'm, I don't know. I mean, that's, I'm that's already really good. Woman. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'd put, um, if I do say so myself. Okay. Um, and you've discussed, uh, I mean, I think every article uh, about you has discussed how David Cameron's speech linking radicalization with traditionally submissive Muslim women in 2016 was part of why you started this project. But was that the first yeah. time you thought about the role of British women, uh, both in the media no. and just generally? No, most definitely not. Um, and I sort of touch upon this in my essay as well. But I could say that um, the 2016 comments by David Cameron that were reported in the Daily Telegraph were very much a catalyst for the entire thing in my mind. But prior to that, I guess I was frustrated. I was not. I guess I know I was frustrated with the lack of um, uh, uh, the representation of the diversity of the Muslim human identity and. Um, you know, it came out in certain parts of my life as well. Um, I remember when we were younger, I don't know if you've had similar experiences or have friends have similar experiences, but I remember when I was young and um, I remember um, being annoyed by the fact that in my community there weren't many spaces that Muslim women could come together as a community mm -hmm. and occupy because often the spaces um, like that, like mosques, are occupied by men and they sort of are sacrosanct for them. Yeah. And um, and I remember my mum used to take us to this auntie's house. Um, mm -hmm. We weren't related to her or anything. She's just someone we knew, yeah. so you call her aunt, you know. Um, and um, she she that auntie would organise for a uh, a, uh, a preacher basically who mm -hmm. um uh can could uh, read and understand the quran to basically translate it to us in urdu i don't speak urdu i speak pashto mm -hmm. um but we used to go there every saturday 
and listen to her and although I didn't understand every single word that she was saying because like I said my my you know I don't speak Urdu I've only learned it as I've grown up mm-hmm. um so I can understand it but can't speak it very well um that was like uh, a moment for me uh, where I realized that actually in Islam there were spaces for women mm-hmm. but maybe not necessarily within the communities um that we were occupying and often those spaces that there were for women um or that should be shared spaces for both women and men were being occupied um you know and dominated by men so that was another aspect of where I thought hang on there should be a space and so I realized that as I grew up and got older when I got to university and I discovered feminism I was like oh hang on this is like the same space that I used to occupy mm-hmm. as a child when my mom used to take me to you know an auntie's house who used to translate the Quran and and help us understand Mm -hmm. um Islam um and that that really sort of um uh, woke me to like my frustration with the representation of Muslim women Mm -hmm. and who's in charge and where our spaces are and why we don't have these spaces that's like an example I guess you could say within the community and then with the David Cameron example it was sort of a conscious like awakening for me that I already had that story in the back of my mind but when I saw the backlash that his comments received of women actually holding up placards and describing themselves in like different ways Mm -hmm. like PhD student doctor mother war survivor you know there's so many so many different placards and so many different women and they didn't look all the same and they weren't doing the same thing and they were contributing to society in so many different ways it was like I knew that they existed like I knew that that, you know a Muslim woman wasn't you know one wasn't a photocopy of the other but that was like a conscious awakening for me where I thought oh hang on Mm. there's so many of us and yes we're the same like we believe in like you know the same faith but our practice and our interpretation our identity our wider identity as women is different and that diversity is never ever shown it's never allowed a platform or communal space and that's basically why I wanted to create this book um, because I wanted that communal space where women could agree and disagree with each other where we could show as much as the book allowed because I, I mean as you know a book is a book and it can only be a certain you know, mm. amount of long. Um, so um, I wanted, that's what I wanted to show with this book. And so it was a collection of experiences. Yeah. It wasn't just David Cameron, you know, living as a Muslim woman and feeling frustrated with certain um, lived experiences contributed to that mm-hmm. moment being a catalyst for me. Okay, that actually leads really well into my next question about the voices um, you chose. I mean, are these new people or did you mine your own networks? Um, How did you pick them? Um, So it was a collection of things. And um, I, let me think, other than maybe, I'm just trying to think so I can answer this properly. Other than one person who I'm, um, you know, who I knew and I was friends with. and she wasn't in the book just because I was friends with her. Um, <laughs> other than one person, um, I basically did research on every single woman or it was women that I followed through social media or I knew of by speaking to friends or I had seen their work just in the wider, you know, sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the majority, actually, the first time that I met a lot of these women was at the launch of the book, even though I'd been working with them prior on their essay for about a year and a little bit. Wow. So, yeah, exactly. So it wasn't just me trying to get all my friends together. I really thought about um, who who I wanted in this book and why I wanted them there and what sort of um, like story and narrative was going out there. And I wanted this book to be 
as much as possible because at the end of the day, like I mentioned, it's only 17 women of the billions or yeah. billions out there mm-hmm. in the world, right? But I can't make a book for all of them, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would never end and it would never publish and you would never read it. Um, so I wanted the book um, to represent as much as it could mm-hmm. in its intricacies as possible through mm-hmm. and show like the layers of intersectionality within our identity and the diversity of it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my research, so it was a lot of research. It was a lot of talking to people. It was a lot of talking to people who weren't in the book and talking to people who are in the book. It was a lot of, um, you know, just having really mm-hmm. honest conversations and saying to someone, look, this is what I'm trying to do. And this is what I'm trying to achieve. And would you be interested in contributing? Mm-hmm. And so another sort of question that I've been asked on, like off the cuff of this question is, um, did you tell people what to write? No, I absolutely <laughs> did not want to tell anyone what to write. The only thing that I asked these people or the only thing that I was prescriptive of in this um, book is I said, do you identify as a Muslim woman? And mm-hmm. if they said yes, that was it for me. That was that was I, all I, mean, I wanted. I'm very. I was impressed by the not the honesty, the frankness of some chapters. I mean, for example, mm-hmm. Saima Mir talking about her divorce and the culture and the uh, step families. Um, was that? I mean, I, did you have conversations about softening some of the chapters, or was that hard to put down? I mean, I, they're very brutal in a sense um so it's so like every um story is about um starting starting a conversation at the beginning and then bringing it back around to reiterate to the reader it's kind of like a full circle right you bring the reader on a journey with you mm-hmm. and that's how I read each of the stories as an editor and so um in regards to like how we worked on each piece of um uh, you know each piece within the book it was very much a collaborative process it was I was there to basically, um, because the publishing industry is incredibly um, Mm non-diverse and um, and what I wanted is I didn't want a collection of essays edited by solely a white woman who wouldn't necessarily understand the experiences and could potentially, you know, throw her biases and her understanding Mm -hmm. and alienate these experiences through her lens. Mm -hmm. And this is why I edited the collection as well as contributing to it because Mm -hmm. I wanted those experiences to come authentically from the women who'd lived these experiences so for me how I edited was that in mind I recognized that I as a Muslim woman would have questions and I think all of the contributors acknowledge this as the you know as the editor I really was trying to get like the best of the story out of them and it was honestly them just pouring their hearts out on paper and me just saying okay so how about this and how about you explain this and how about you we go deeper into this and do you think this means what you think it means and Mm. It was very much a collaborative process Mm -hmm. and it was very much them being incredibly honest and selfless in what they were writing Mm -hmm. because they understood that, I don't know, I think from the beginning we all understood the importance of the platform we were creating um, and that there isn't a book like this basically. There are books, you know, there, there is another book but, you know, it's fiction. There isn't a book like this that I've read and I worked in the publishing industry and I've been reading books for a long time and I wish that this book came along when I was young and that it was written for me and I wasn't the one who was writing this. Um, And so it was, 
it was a collaborative team effort where we all recognized the privilege that we had to contribute to the space um and it was us just pouring our hearts out and then me just asking lots and lots mm. of questions um, and being you know being mindful of people's like you know stories and pers- you know um and and you know seeing how much I could push and get on the page for the reader but also respecting the boundaries of the women who'd already put so much and worth putting so much into mm. the um book and same as essay I remember when I read it the first time it really like upset me yeah me too <laughs> something that yeah it's what I don't know I don't know how to even now um same as an Ashan D'Souza Lodi's uh Lodi's essay mm-hmm. those two essays when I read them I get upset because like I edited them so I shouldn't I should be like desensitized them, can you just not, describe them in I, a few words yeah so same as essay is about um being perceived as this um, divorcee in the community and she's divorced uh, twice and now she's uh, alhamdulillah happily married and it talks about her struggles through those marriages and how um, her culture was something that was holding her down but how her religion empowered her and emancipated her from these um, marriages and from these divorces and it empowered her to have the authority to divorce when she just wasn't happy in those marriages because so much was going on and obviously the context mm. is provided in the essay. And I've seen that experience time and time again. And I've seen so many women who don't understand how they have those rights as a Muslim woman in society. And I think that, yes, you could say, like, for me, the the power that comes from um, that essay, the, the thing that I take from it is that, like, look, she like it's Islam that set her. Like, often we're told, like, Islam is, you know, not for women, not pro-women, not. But look, mm. at the end of the day, it's our religion that set that set her, that empowered her to make those decisions. And she's living as a Muslim woman and she has these rights. And Like, who is anyone else to tell her that she doesn't have the right to do these things? Mm. And I wish, like, so many more women knew their rights as a Muslim woman in society, um, and she's rightfully calling out, you know, cultural stigma around yeah. divorce, something that Islamically shouldn't be there, basically. Mm. Um, and then Afshan's essay, um, she read her essay, actually, at the launch in mm. London. Um, and uh, basically, we had a room full of crying people. So Afshan's essay is about being um, a hijabi and being bisexual. So it's a narrative of being queer and a member of the LGBT community and her coming to terms with her sexuality. Mm. And basically, she talks about how there was never a space for her in Islam because, you know, because people say there's no space for Islam uh, and there's no space in Islam for people who identify as queer. And then she also says in her essay how there wasn't space for her in um queer and LGBT spaces because because obviously they were like well you're Muslim you know you can't be Muslim and queer like that doesn't work Mm -hmm. and how that basically you know affected her as an individual and on her mental health and her personal development and like for me when I read that essay I feel angry at the world and the community and everyone because I think how dare someone make someone else in this world feel like they don't belong in this world or in this space or in the community mm. or how dare someone say to someone like you're not a Muslim because I don't believe we should have the right to dictate whether someone is a believer in Allah or not like that's mm-hmm. between them and Allah yeah that should be like, the general rule in any case yeah yeah and I feel like that you know it's it's her you know, yes, like, you know, you might not feel comfortable with it, but it's her. How dare someone make someone feel like they don't belong? And for me, like, that just doesn't, doesn't sit 
right inside my heart basically and I just feel so angry that she you know she felt that way she was made to feel that way and that she has to constantly justify like why she didn't exist in any space in the world like she's she shouldn't need to do that and I really think that you know people need to just open their ears and listen and their hearts and like their understanding of things and um you know for yeah. me those two essays are quite moving when you read them basically mm-hmm. um so yeah I mean going through it as a Muslim woman some parts really resonated um while others I personally didn't agree with which is completely normal but was that a yeah. factor for you I mean I, I I do notice that most of the well I think yeah I'd say most of them are I, I don't like using that word but more on the liberal end like you know the talk about complex things honestly but was that a factor for you no for me like um um I didn't specifically go into it saying I'm going to pick this 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 and this person um and I don't believe in like the liberal end of or the conservative mm. end of things I think people just exist and then we've just applied labels to their existence and their opinions and I think those sorts of labels are a way to disregard like wider opinions. Um, and I think that it's fine to disagree with each other. And that's the reality of our situation. And I think actually um, I see it as a success for myself as an editor. Um, if I've actually got that nuance down on paper and if other Muslim women are reading it and thinking, well, I agree with this and I don't agree with this because that's the reality of when we have conversations Mm. we agree with people on some places and we don't agree with people in some other places and I think if we were all if what what I didn't what I was so scared of doing in this book was creating the Mariam approved version of Muslim Mm. women and their identity and that's a complicated thing not to allow your inherent you know biases which we all have dictate the choices Yeah, and because, you know, Alhamdulillah, Allah gave me this platform to, to, and I wanted it to be shared because my frustration was with the single narrative of Muslim women. And I didn't want to write a book just by, a lot of people have said, why don't you just write a book about different topics by yourself? And I was like, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to show that there was lots of Muslim women, you know, different ages, different groups, different backgrounds, different, however, and then same things as well, things that keep us tied together regardless of which direction or mm. what intersectionalities you know we fall into and for me like I see that as a success because if this was a book everyone was like yeah great this is fantastic every single thing like yeah, it's great but there are some people who are like yeah, this is fantastic and you know I you know I can really see it just because you've understood something doesn't mean you agree with it and just because something in the book doesn't necessarily mean I agree or don't agree with it like I think that it's they're all complex conversations that really need to be had and just like I say in my introduction it's um every essay is just even though it's finished it's just the beginning of a conversation that it's mm. complex and nuanced and we should be talking about these things because just because the thing that I think that happens a lot in many communities is that people think if we don't talk about something they'll stop existing if you stop if you don't talk about Muslim women and divorce they won't stop existing if you mm. don't talk about Muslim Muslim women who identify as queer queers or queer people mm. then that doesn't mean that they're going to stop existing etc etc if you don't talk about Muslim women and mental health issues doesn't mean that's going to stop existing I think conversation discussion uh, debate that's how we progress um and that's what we need to do and often we're not allowed and this is this is you know a dichotomy within the Muslim experience of we're never allowed to have 
let's say we're talking online, let's say two Muslim women are talking online, there's most definitely going to be a third person who has a right wing agenda who's going to mm. jump into the conversation. And if we're talking about something that's, you know, slightly not, you know, suited to them, they're going to take it and co-opt that conversation and put, you know, you know, show their racism, show their Islamophobia. Yeah. And I feel like often we're not allowed to have conversations mm. that can, you know, necessarily might make our communities look bad or might not be doing so, you know, yeah. things that might not be working. Just because something's going to make a community look bad doesn't mean we should not we shouldn't talk about it. And that's both within the community and outside of it. So for me, this this is a platform for conversation, for people to agree and disagree, for for nuance, for mm-hmm. diversity and for all of those things. But, and I hope that's what people get out of it. But like in any situation that involves frank discussions about um, Islam and women, uh, what was the, I mean, was there a backlash? I mean, were there were there any internal discussions over how to phrase certain things to either give less ammunition to those who would use it against all Muslims or on the side of the community? No, definitely not. I said, I remember having a conversation with my mother of all people. <laughs> Um, and I tell my mum everything and like sometimes she's like yeah yeah sometimes like she's like okay like she engages and I remember saying to her like I haven't left anyone like I have both basically pointed a finger at the community and both pointed it at the wider western world and said you you have an issue here and you and and not just me I mean like through the writing Mm -hmm. through the work in this book right and and I didn't care to be on anyone's side because I just wanted what actually exists in the world to be written down so it can be acknowledged, so we can continue to have discussions that I want there to be had in the wider world. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then in regards, I didn't say to anyone, the other than a legal read, because you have to do so you don't get sued. Mm. Um, but there was no wider discussions um, in regards to phrasing something or censoring anyone. That wasn't, I really, other than like, not being sued because that's not anyone much that's not what anyone's trying to do there wasn't anything like that that I said to the readers I very much kept everyone like what I didn't like because I didn't force anyone to not talk to each other but you know they were very much themselves writing and so what was beautiful at the end of it was to see how some essays weaved into the other without any of those women like like um interconnecting even the ones where you think oh this one probably doesn't agree with this one but there were still things flowing in and out of those essays that connected Mm -hmm. those women because their lived experience is same as well as being different as well and that's what a lot of people haven't recognized they haven't allowed Muslim women to have this like like that diversity of the identity that a lot of other groups are allowed to have and that's what I wanted to create and I feel like we have to an extent created that Okay, um, and I, that brings me to your your own chapter where you talk about feminist groups where you didn't fit in. Um, I think the phrase, I have it somewhere, this entire sisterhood of feminists, this global movement wasn't as committed to me as I was to it. Do you feel yeah. that's still the case? Uh, is there anything that's starting to change that? Um, I very much... Um... I feel like that still is the case. Um, I think uh, feminism in the West is very much dominated by white feminism. Um, capital W. Like, yes, the capital W. <laughs> um, and I feel like um, uh, that feminism can be incredibly more intersectional. It should be. Feminism should be for all people who identify as women. 
um, and not just um, privilege a certain section or sector of women. Um, and I feel like that we have a long, long, long way to go before that happens. And I think my frustration, like I mentioned in my essay, so my essay being about um, feminism needing to die so it can basically be rebirthed or, you know, regrow into like this intersection of feminism until, and that's the feminism that I practice basically, because for me, I'm not at the center of it. Everyone, every woman is at the center of their feminism. And what we need to do is stop practicing this feminism that centers um, white women with a capital W um, and that white um group of people who are privileged who don't recognize anybody else who basically believe it's their feminism or no feminism for all women because that's not feminism feminism is a space where all women can have a space and if that isn't the feminism that women are practicing then it isn't feminism in my opinion mm-hmm. so w- is that the next step like we are we are starting to see Muslim women in visible roles in in as journalists, civil servants, etc. What what's mm. the next step after this book, both for you and for Muslim women in general? I guess. I think for me um, personally, in every space, in any space I occupy, um, I'm very. I feel like it is my it is my duty as a woman to make sure that that space is as intersectional as possible. And I think that we all need to need to recognize that it is our duty as women to recognize that. And then secondly, we need to stop comparing ourselves to men, um, because if we're always comparing, we're always going to want to just be as good as men. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to be the best in ourselves, basically, um, and be the best of ourselves there shouldn't need to be this comparison basically um and then um what i would say to everyone else is make sure that the spaces that you occupy are as intersectional don't just look for people like you in your spaces even if you're a woman of color and you look around and so for me i'm a hijabi wearing woman and if i look around and i see all women around me who just wear the hijab or all women who are south asian and then there isn't people from other intersections in that space I'm worried because I'm thinking, where where is everyone else? Like, why are they not here? Um, you know, what what privileges or what's why am I in this space and they're not in this space? Mm. Those are the questions. We need to be consciously holding ourselves accountable for the spaces that we occupy and why they're not being occupied by other people. Those are important questions. And if we all just did that, if individually we were that responsible, I think we'd get to the feminism that I want to be there in the world fairly quickly. That's that ends it on a beautiful note. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you so much. Is there anything you want to add? Um, I think I would say to anyone reading the book that um, I don't expect anyone to read the book and to just go along with it and nod and not have any questions and um, not, um, um, you know, to agree with absolutely everything. What I would say is that people should read the book with an open mind and open heart and um, really listen, like actively listen to what they are, like take it in and think about it. Because I can tell you that these essays weren't something that were created over a night. They took a whole year. It was a back and forth and it was looking at them and it was 
you know, re rewriting and re redoing parts and like really digging deep. And is this what I'm trying to say? Am, am I am I right? Is this my like you know? There's so much work that went into that. And I would say that um, if there's one thing that anyone can do, take away from this book is that for me personally, I just want people to acknowledge that there's there's no single story, single narrative around Muslim women that the Muslim female identity is vast and there's depth and there's diversity and intersectionality and that's what I want someone to take away from this um, and that's my goal with this book as the editor and the contributor.